This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. I give him access to my spirit. There is a difference, and we are an apostolic church. We are, I had somebody that tell me that we should take apostolic out of the name of our church, and it it defines us in our doctrine of who we are, and I I don't want to, you know, I wasn't going to be swayed about that. I've been asked to. They don't come to our church, but they were like, you, sh- you should just have more of a, just a Christian church, the open field. But I, I, we need to stand out like a light in this city, what we believe in. It's not the name that saves us, but it defines what we believe sometimes. It kind of puts words to what we believe. And um, there is a difference today that I, that I want us to, to get to. Um, as apostolics and as people of the name of Jesus, we... We can shout and we can worship. But there's got to be a deep love within our spirit that longs just to be with the Lord. When our feet hit the floor in the morning, y'all, we got to be thinking about Jesus. We got to be thinking about the things of God. And you think, I want you to picture in your mind what your morning routine is. When you get up in the morning, what's the first few things that you do? Maybe hit the coffee pot. Uh, maybe social media. Some of you got the remote right next to the bed. The first thing you do is you click on the TV. Got to get your morning news. And we fill ourselves with things of the world. And, and, and we lose sight of quickly about God's agenda for the day. And... I preached last week about, um, it was a Sunday night at El Shaddai about eliminating plan B in our life. And I want God to be at work fully in this house. I, I want us to be a God-fearing, Holy Ghost-filled, word-living body of believers. Everybody say word-living We don't want to live by our words. We want to live by the word of God. I got half amens because this is where it really hits the road. Many of us need to be challenged to live the word of God. We stop God when it comes to his word. And we wonder why things are not working out in our life because God hasn't had an opportunity to speak into your life. And the word has not been manifest completely in our life. We stop God by our, our actions or our words. And here's, I want to go back to Genesis because this is where it always starts for me. And you can't, I mean you can, but you can't. You got to start, it's. I'm going to feel after the Lord here today. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I said, in the beginning, God created the heaven 
and the earth. This is a very profound statement. I've said it many times, but I believe I need to start here again today. He said, God created three things in this scripture. God created time, matter, and space. God created three things in this scripture. Time, matter, and space. God created. Somebody say created. He created those three things. He is not bound by those three things. A creator is not bound by his own creation. Let me say that again. A creator is not bound by his own creation. He can manipulate that creation. He can do what he wants with that creation. So we have time that we have. We get up in the morning. We have noon. We have uh, supper time. We have worship time. We have all these things of time. God is not bound by our time. We have this body, this earthen vessel that we have. God made us from the earth. God made us uh, from this clay. We have this clay, this body that's made of clay. God is not bound by my earthen vessel because God created me. He is outside of what he created. He is not something that is bound by my physical problems. Let me say that again. He is not bound by my physical problems. If I have cancer... It doesn't bother God one way or another. He can heal me. He can save me. He can take that cancer out of me. He can heal that, that, that cancer, right? What it is, he can make it shrink. He can make it grow. He can do it. He's not bound by cancer because it's something that he created. It comes out of, of that body that he created. He is not bound by your flu bug that gets passed around in the house. He is not bound by a water leak in the roof. I said he's not bound by a water leak in the roof. He's not bound by an alternator going out of a car. <laughs> he's not bound by, by uh, circumstances that, that just seem like, oh, God can't do it because this is something that, that I have done. God is not bound by any circumstance. God is not bound by any problem. God is not bound by any issue. It does not bound by any question. He has the answer to it all because he created the heavens and the earth. He made space. He created the space. He created the air that we breathe. He created the firmament and the heavens. He made the stars. He made the sun. He made the moon. He is not bound by the sun. He's not bound by the moon. He's not bound by the things of uh, we call time or circumstances. My God is the creator of it all. I wish I had a witness right now that you would understand that my God is the creator of it all. Let me say it again. My God is the creator of it all. The God that we worship does not sit on a totem pole and we bow to him. He is not bound by sitting on the top of a totem pole. He's not bound to one particular place or one particular altar. He's not bound to a service. He's not bound to a Wednesday night time of Bible study. He's not bound to, to me praying in the morning. He's not bound to circumstances that I have in my life. But my God is beyond every circumstance. My God is beyond everything that goes on in my life. My God is beyond everything that I see or I feel in my life. God is greater than it all. The Bible says he is the creator of it all. 
So when I get up here and I begin to worship and bless the Lord, oh my soul, I'm not talking about a God that is bound by anything. I'm not talking about a God that can't do one thing and not another because we, we, we think God is, is limited by our own limitations. That we think, well, I can't do this. I don't know how God's going to work it out. I don't know how God's going to do this. I don't know how God, who cares how God does it? I just want God to handle it. I want to give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I am giving everything unto you because you are the creator of it all. I'm coming to you today. There are people that are bound in your mind and in your spirit because of circumstances. There's more. I, you may think I'm just talking to somebody, and just particularly to you, and I am, whoever it is. But there's multiple people in this room. By the help of the Lord, God has shown me things that is going on in your life. And you can't be set free because your mind is looking at a limited God. I want to put into your mind today by the word of the Lord. It says that he created it all. He made it all. And he is through it all. And he's not bound by any of it. When we lay hands on the sick and call upon the name of Jesus, we expect them to recover. I said when we lay hands on the sick, uh, they shall recover. Let me say that again. When we lay hands on the sick, uh, they shall recover. When we lay hands on the bond and the ones that are bound, we expect them uh, and have faith that God will free them from their bondage. When you come to an altar and we do not pray unto a God that's bound by addictions, God can free you in a moment's notice by any kind of addiction, any kind of pain, any kind of sorrow, any kind of anger, any kind of thing that is broken in your life. God can heal it moments notice God created you for his worship for you to worship him the devil wants to steal that worship he wants you to surrender the things of your life to the things of the devil and of the spirit and this may be foreign to some of you but I'm going to preach it anyway to say this there is a spirit of the antichrist that is being very prevalent in this world that we live in today there is things that are coming up uh, all over the place. Every advertisement is a work of the devil. And you say, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm just saying that the devil is out to pollute our minds, uh, pollute our spirits, uh, pollute our agenda, try to get us to be passive in the things that we used to hold so dear. Maybe I need to be get specific just for a moment and say this, that we have become passive to the things that used to cause us to be pushed to our knees. I said we have become passive in the things that used to push us to our knees. It used to be when, when a son or a daughter would walk away from God, it would push us to our knees. But we think, oh, well, God will, God will bring them back. But, oh, I want to know that if there's anybody in your family that has walked away from God, well, does it still push you to your knees? When things start to come into your home that shouldn't be there, does that push you to your knees? Do the things that come up on your television set or up on your social media, does it disturb you enough to put you to your knees and say, God, help me, Jesus? It's too easy to tell a lie nowadays. 
It's too easy to gossip about somebody nowadays. It's too easy to say God can't do this. It's too easy to throw in the towel and say that God can't. I'm here to come against that spirit, and we need to have the spirit of faith, uh, the spirit of strength, uh, and the strength of and, and the feeling of power in the Holy Ghost and in Jesus Christ. The disciples didn't go around moaning and groaning, and yeah, they had times of heartache and times of things, but they didn't go around with their head held down. They had been with Jesus. I said they had been with Jesus. And when they felt like they couldn't lay hands on the sick and nothing would happen, and they said, going back to the master and say, oh, uh, we laid hands and, and they didn't recover. We prayed for them and something didn't happen. And Jesus said, some things come by prayer and fasting. In other words, if God's not working in your life, maybe you need to pray just a little bit more. Maybe you need to fast just a little bit more. We have lost. The view of Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, of, in the beginning, God. The Bible says on the sixth day, God made man. But he wasn't complete yet. I said God was not complete yet after he made man on the sixth day. Look to your neighbor and say the sixth day. God made Man, but he wasn't done with man yet. I said he wasn't done with man yet. He says, I'm going to rest upon what I created. The Bible says that is the Sabbath. The Sabbath day is when God rested upon his creation. The Bible teaches that the Sabbath day is a day of rest. It is a day that is, the Bible says, to remain holy. I want to go through those scriptures. That's the Bible right there. Just trust me. That is Bible. It is Bible. The Bible says that the Sabbath was the rest of God, and we are to keep it holy. Now, I'm going to tell you today that it is not, I'm not talking about Sunday being the Sabbath. I'm talking about a spiritual matter here today. I'm talking about, a, oh my God, I'm talking about a spiritual matter here today. The problem many times in the house of God and in the kingdom of God and in the, in the, in the body of Christ is we forget to uh, we forget to keep the holy presence of God and the rest of God holy in our life. We forget to keep it the refreshing holy. We get our agenda, we get our thoughts and our and our mindset on what we expect God to do, and we put God in a in a jar and we expect Him to pull Him out and 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 and, and perform for us. But the Bible says His rest and that Sabbath, that refreshing of the Holy Ghost, uh, it, it needs to be kept holy. And how does it keep holy? It say holy because we need to have the mindset that says, "Not my will, but Thine be done." God help us. Exodus 16 says that it came to pass on the sixth day. They gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. All the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said, and this is that which the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will. Bake today and see that, that ye see that, will see that. Or will see that, and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. Somebody say the Sabbath. Exodus 20, verse number 8. If you know Exodus 20, Exodus 20 is, talks about the Ten Commandments. It is the, the great commandments or the Decalogues, if you will. Verse number 8 says, remember the Sabbath day. Somebody say, remember it. Remember the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? The Sabbath day is when God rested on his creation. 
Think about it. The Sabbath is God resting upon you. Genesis 1, all the way to the end of Genesis 1, Genesis 2, talks about the Sabbath is the rest or the refreshing of God's presence upon you. Exodus 20, the great commandments, the law of God says, remember my rest, remember my refreshing. Hear me now, remember my presence. Remember me coming unto you, and do what with it? Keep it holy. Keep it holy. Remember when I come unto you, and I want to rest upon you. Keep that presence holy. Don't have your agenda. It's my agenda. It is my time to rest upon you. To keep holy, that root of that word means to appoint, to bid, to consecrate to dedicate, to, to hallow, to keep, to, to prepare, to proclaim, to purify, to sanctify. So the Sabbath is more than just a day. It's the presence of God. Sabbath is the presence of God. And that presence needs to be kept holy. Matthew chapter number 2. Verse number 24 through 28, and the Pharisees were looking, were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? They say, you can't do this on the Sabbath. You can't do that on the Sabbath. You're supposed to uh, uh, have enough bread twice on the day before so you can rest on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do this on the Sabbath. And he said unto him, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry and, and he and those who were with him? How he entered into the house of God and in a time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence. He ate the bread of the presence. What are you talking about? He, in a spiritual sense, he received a word from God. Hey, I said he received a word from God. He said, he ate of the presence which it, which it is not lawful for any, but the priests priest did eat and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the Sabbath was made for man. Think about this. I'm talking about the rest of God, the presence of God. It was made for you. I wish somebody would get that revelation right now. His presence was made for you. His holiness was made for you. His righteousness was made for you. His, his power was made for you. His glory was made for you. So in the beginning, God created it in the heavens and the earth. And he got to the sixth day. I'm going to make man and all this is for him. My presence, my glory, everything that I have is at their disposal. Their presence. My presence is for them. Isaiah 28 says, Woe to the crown of the pride and the drunkards of the Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath mighty and a strong one, which is the tempest of the hail and the destroying storm. 
Let me read this. I'm going to read this quickly. I'm going to get to a verse. And as the flood of the mighty waters overflowing shall cast down to the earth with the hand, the crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim shall be trodden under feet. And the glorious beauty, which is on the head of the fat valley, shall be a fading flower. And as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he, had the, he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be the crown of glory and for diadem, diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. And for a spiritual, a spirit of judgment to them that sitteth in judgment, for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine. In other words, they were deceived through wine. You got to be careful what you attach yourself to because soon enough you're going to be deceived and what God wants you to do, you will, you will pollute what God's presence is trying to do in your life through strong drink on out of the way. And the priest and the prophet have deceived or erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up with wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err or deceived in their vision and they stumble in judgment. For all the tables are full of vomit. And filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Or get deceived in our judgment, in our vision. And all of a sudden, there's no place clean for the rest of God. God cannot rest in an unpure vessel. I cannot have the presence of God and be unclean. I cannot walk in the presence of God. The rest of the Sabbath wants to come down upon my life. God has prepared it for me, but it cannot come and rest upon me, and I can't walk in his presence if I am unclean. But there is an anecdote. There is a way for the presence of God to rest upon my life. David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. God, forgive me of my wrongdoings. Forgive me of my error to judgment. Forgive me, God, of, of, of just allowing everything in the world to, to blur my vision, to blur the table. Presence cannot rest. Ladies and gentlemen, we are a church that God wants to rest upon. God wants to rest upon this body of believers. But we have to purify ourselves. We have to take everything that we have erred in judgment. Everything that we have taken in and say, God, forgive me of what I have taken in. And I want to see your presence. I want the Sabbath, not just a day, not a 24-hour period, not just a Sunday. But I want the presence. I want the refreshing. I want the Holy Ghost to manifest itself in my life. Tables are full of vomit and filthiness, but there is no place clean. Read on. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. Verse number 10. For precept must be upon precept. There's got to be an order. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. There is a way that God works. I said there's a way that God works. There's too many, uh, can I just preach it like I feel it right now? There's too many people that put on the spirit or try to put on the persona of God, but inside their table's not clean. 
Their table is not right. God, heal me. Cleanse me. Wash me truly. Here's the thing. We like to be washed, but we don't want to be washed through. You ever purge a line? Purge a, purge a line or a hose? We had this hose outside here, and it was going to fill the baptismal tank, but, uh, you know, we left it outside last night, so ice was in that line. Water could not flow because there was an obstruction. Oh, these men were trying to work that ice out of that line. It took two or three men to break up that ice, warm it up just a little bit for that water to flow. That water to flow freely through that hose. What happens, we want, we want to look good on the outside, but we don't want to gosh, God to wash us through. David says, purge me, O God. Because sometimes we don't want things to come out of us, but God says, David said, purge me with hyssop. Purge me. I may be resistant, Lord, but push it out anyway. Help my spirit to be upon the altar and say, purge me, O God. Verse number 12 of that same chapter in Isaiah says, To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye shall cause the weary to to rest. And this is the refreshing. Somebody say refreshing. Yet they would not hear. Why? Because they were deceived. And their table was filthy. I can't preach like this and tell you there's good news coming. Jesus went to a cross. He went to a cross and he died for my past. He died for my present. And guess what? He died for my future. I'm here to, I want you to get this revelation. Jesus didn't just die on the cross once, just for a few people. James says he died once for all. And his got the power. How can he die from my past, present, and future? Let's go back to Genesis chapter number one. He created it. Oh, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's outside of time. He can take care of my future. He can take care of my past. And he can take care of my present. This went to that cross. He did something that no man can do. The creator of it all. He can take go into your life and work as a creator. He can step into your timeline right now and work as a creator. He can step into your future and start creating things, all things new. Pastor, how does he do, do that? I don't know. He is God. There are certain mysteries that may not ever be told. But my God says he's outside of it all. And one day is like a thousand years unto the Lord. And anything, Bible says in Acts chapter number 2, you had to know I was going here. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. Let me tell you, when they got in one accord, they started wiping the tables clean. I desire one day. That this house, that we come into the house of God, that we all get in one accord and one mind. And we get the tables clean in our hearts. We get our minds clean. And oh, what God will do when our spirits bind together at the throne of Calvary. 
And let me tell you what's going to happen. When the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all in one accord in one place, suddenly, I'm looking for a suddenly one day. That'll preach just for a little while. I don't want it just, a, just that momentary. I want to suddenly happen in my spirit. I want to suddenly to move in this house. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that there was a sound that came down and spoke to Adam and Eve. The presence of God. The Bible says they heard his voice. Uh, they heard him. But when they sinned, they didn't want to hear him. Deception is uh, here's the deception. The deception is that when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and that little serpent came unto them and started talking kind of like God, but not God. Started quoting the scripture a little bit. You think the devil don't know scripture? He knows scripture better than you do. He does. He's been around a lot longer than you have. And he knows the scripture. He knows how to tempt you. He knows how to beguile you. He knows how to, how to get you tripped up. He's tried to deceive you. But what the scripture says is that they were deceived and they erred in their judgment when it comes to the tree of, tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil. But their, 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 their deception, if you will, is that they got deceived and they felt naked and afraid and, and they were upset and, and they were shameful. And you know what they should have done in that moment is they should have went back to the Lord and waited for that sound from heaven again, this presence, before they acted on anything. They should have waited for the afternoon when the cool of the day, the presence of God. And he should have said, Lord, there's this serpent over here. It didn't quite sound right and uh, I want to clarify with you if he was right. But we don't do that because fear sets in, shame sets in, and we don't want to prove to make it, make it look like we've done wrong, and we don't want to hear the voice of God because we know we've done wrong. So we fall into deception, and we fall into error in our judgment, and then we start doing things we should not do. So what we got to do, before we can have a suddenly, before we can hear a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, before the presence of God can fill all, somebody say all, all the house we're sitting, there has got to be any judgment, any deception that we got to take to the throne of God and say, Lord, measure me up to your word. Is there something wrong in me? Let it come out of me. I don't want anything inside of me to be against your will from allowing your presence to come down. an axe and suddenly there came a sound from heaven after the tables were clean after everybody got in one accord in one place they gathered together in the same spirit gathered together in oh my god I feel the Holy Ghost right there they gathered together in the same spirit in the same understanding and we want Jesus to move. We want God, to be his, his glory to be made manifest. And then when they got into the place, and that rushing mighty wind began to fall and began to come, and it filled the house where they were sitting. The Bible says in the next verse, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Why did it set upon each of them? Because God made the heavens and the earth for you. It was his presence that wants to come down for you, designed for you. It was made for you and it is designed for you and they were all, everybody say all all filled with the Holy Ghost and the Bible says and began to speak with other tongues as a spirit of God gave them the utterance or the ability 
Now, as many of us put on the brakes when it comes to the Holy Ghost and God pulling out his spirit, but do not be afraid of the presence of God. Somebody say, we don't want to be afraid of the presence of God. I don't want to be afraid of the moving of God. It may be something my mind can't comprehend, but if it's from God, I want to receive it. Acts 3 and 19, my last scripture says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Here's this Old Testament word from Isaiah. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. There's a lot of things in this world that will try to duplicate the presence of God. Let me say it again. There's a lot of things that will try to duplicate the presence of God, but it can never do what God can do. Let me say this again. It can never do what God can do. Do I have any people that are hungry for the presence of the Lord? The presence of God does, it brings us together. Cord is not easily broken. one another. It's a consideration for one another. It brings peace to one another. It brings joy to one another. The Bible says the greatest of the commandments is, is love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Somebody say amen. But the second of these is likened unto the first, the Bible says, that you love one another. So I love you. Everybody in this room, I love you, and I desire the presence of God to move in your life, that things, the old things, you know, the old things that were shameful for, now I can celebrate where God brought me from. God, maybe I may be bound now, but in like two minutes, you can raise your hands and worship, and you don't have to be bound anymore, because he that the sun sets free is free indeed. we got to wipe the tables clean and say, God, all this junk, I'm taking it off the table. And the Old Testament prophet David said, I want to prepare my table even in the midst of my enemies. I don't care who's around. I don't care what's going on in my life. I want to prepare a table for the master. I want to prepare a place for the glory of God. I'm looking for a body of believers that will stand with me right now and simply say, I desire the presence of the almighty God. I want the rest of God in my life. It's going to grow. It's going to make visible the things of God. The cool thing. You know why speaking in tongues, the outward expression, is when God moves, there's got to be an outward evidence. God moves through the gift of the Holy Ghost. There are gifts that come with that spirit that are made evident through that spirit. So as we grow in the Lord, Lord, there is more evidence and more fruit and more things that begin to pop. But God does not move without evidence. I said, God does not move without evidence. If you ever see somebody get the Holy Ghost and God begins to touch your life, God begins to heal them, they begin to act a little bit different because something happened on the inside. Somebody just began to raise their hands. Somebody began to worship the Lord. Why? Because they felt something in their spirit compelling them to do a work or an outward expression of what the Lord. Why do we praise? Why do we worship? Because, oh, I'm thankful. I don't want to ever get over what the Lord has done for me. I don't want to ever get over what he, how he saved me, how he kept me, how he brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light. Why do we proclaim the gospel? Because I am never going to get over what Jesus done for me. Uh, 
You can't convince me different of the presence of God. I say I will not be deceived by anything in this world that will try to pollute the presence of the Lord. I desire the one thing that I desire, the Bible says, and that will I seek after, that I may Come on, somebody quote that scripture, that I may dwell. So let me just say this. The Holy Ghost is not just something for a moment. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it doesn't stop there. We don't pick it up and lay it. we got to have the spirit of David. It says, that I may dwell. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Not just on a morning manna, just not on Sunday, got to keep on reading that scripture how often do we need to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life Bible says I got to repent daily because I want to be in his presence I got to clear the table daily because I want to be in his presence I want to show forth the praises of God so here's what it comes down to it comes down to hunger I said, it comes down to hunger. I can have people, yeah, I want the presence of God. Yeah, I want to be filled by it. But it comes down to hunger. I said, it comes down to hunger. You can play that out through all scripture. Man brought their friend or brother to the Lord. House was packed. Well, how are we going to get in? I don't care how we get in. We're going to get at the foot of Jesus. I don't care. What's the, I don't, well, let's, you know what? Let's just take the roof off of this house. They climbed. Their friend was sick. It was with the palsy, right? He, had, he was sick and he was on a bed. How are we going to get a bed on the roof? I don't care. We're going to get him up here. Strap him on. Strap him on. You boys get up there and start taking the roof off. Find out where Jesus is in the house. Take the roof off. We're going to drop him right down at his feet. When you're hungry for God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many layers are on that roof. It does not matter how much mud is on that roof. It does not matter how much hay and straw is on that roof. It doesn't matter when that house was built. It doesn't matter if there's a front door and a back door. i got to get to the foot of Jesus. I said i got to get to the foot of Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus sat by the wayside on the side of the road. He said, is that Jesus is coming, didn't he? They said, yeah. He began to cry out to the Lord, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. People said, shut up. You don't need to be talking like that. He said, no, I'm declaring that he's the son of David. The lineage, he is the one, the great one, the healer. He's coming by, and I'm not going to waste a moment. You see, he was blind. He couldn't see Jesus, but he could feel him. He knew he was getting close. So he began to call upon the Lord, and they began to shut him up. They tried to tell. He said, no, i got to be in the presence of the Almighty God that is walking by right now. The woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was coming. Bible says she spent all that she had. Some of you have spent all that you had on the things of this world. And look where it's got you. Spent all that you have. And you're left in a place of, there's nothing to show for it. But let me tell you, when you hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God, Bible says you shall be filled. Thank you, elder. That is a promise.
That is a promise. You hunger and thirst at the things of this world, there's no promise. I said there's no promise. But when you hunger and thirst after righteousness and the rightness of God, the woman with the issue of blood, she crawled. She pressed. <laughs> Touched the hem of the garment of Jesus. Jesus, no doubt, knew she was coming. But when she touched the hem of his garment, he felt hunger and faith begin to touch him. And virtue flowed out of Jesus. Let me tell you, when you come hungry and thirsting for the things of God, the virtue of the Holy Ghost and the presence of God will make resident in your life. Come on, somebody say amen. So here's what we're going to do. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for the moving of God? Do you desperately want to change? Do you desperately need God to move? Do you desperately want the presence of God to appear in your life? That you can be a witness. That you can feel the power of the Holy Ghost come upon you. And that you can walk with Jesus Christ. This altar is open right now if you're hungry for the presence of God. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.